0: This is Coast to Coast with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams, America's top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, both of them, one from California, one from Massachusetts. You can only guess what will happen next. Coast to Coast is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coast to Coast on the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi in Massachusetts.
2: And I'm Craig Williams in Southern California. I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court.
1: Bob? And I write a blog called Law Sites and another blog called Media Law. Uh, well, Craig, this week we're going to uh, begin by taking uh, a few moments to remember the victims of 911 and their families. It's been, of course, five years since. Uh, the attack on 911 and uh, those victims of course will never be forgotten.
2: They won't Bob. It's a sad tale for all of us to remember and uh, remember where we were at the time and what we were doing when we saw those airplanes crash into the World Trade Center and into the Pentagon and into Shanksville, Pennsylvania farm field. but uh, today I understand we have a guest to talk help us talk about that.
1: That's right. To uh, talk about that, we have a guest on the show who has been involved. Uh, he and his firm uh, in helping families of the victims of nine one one. The uh, guest is Robert Haefeli, uh partner with the national firm Motley Rice, and attorneys at that firm have committed to a considerable amount of pro bono work uh, helping those families. Uh, Robert, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, thank you. First, uh, thank you to Bob and to Gre- and to Craig for having me and uh, inviting me for coming on to the program.
1: Thanks, and maybe you could start start by telling us a little bit about uh, what it is that your firm is doing with regard to 911's the the victims and their families.
3: Well, uh, first again, let me thank you for having me on the program. It's a pleasure to come on and speak about the work we're doing for the families, um, both the pro bono work and some of the other work that we're doing. Um, Uh, In regard to the pro bono work that we've been doing in the wake of 9-11, as you may recall, the trial bar banded together to create the Trial Lawyers Care giant pro bono effort to represent the families in the 9-11 attacks and representing their cases uh, uh, before the Victims Compensation Fund, the fund that Congress Congress created after the attacks. Uh, Though Motley Rice wasn't part of the TLC program, we agreed to represent a number of people. I think we had I think it was 31 people total in the pro bono effort. Uh we had uh 24 death cases and four injuries and three other uh statements of interest that we represented people for. Um I I could go over some of the successes that we feel we achieved for our clients uh but I would rather mention some of the people because I think the um the fantastic and often the tragic thing about the work was always about the families. Um and uh, I'd say that each one of the accounts that we represented the people in, they had something special about them, and that's pretty much what we focused on when we represented the people before the Victims' Compensation Fund, and, and almost all of our claims were presented directly to the Special Master, Ken Feinberg. Um, just to give you, a, uh, if I could, just a thumbnail sketch of a few special people that we had. We had one that was a, a naval officer from the Pentagon that was burned over a significant portion of his body, and and he... I have to say he's just one of the most courageous and inspired human human beings I've ever met because though he had this terrible tragedy happen to him, um, he he bounced back and he is just one of the strongest people I've ever met. And just as a, another example, we had a, a port authority maintenance worker who, who was one of the people that ushered a group of people from the World Trade Center, and then he went back into the building and went and got more people out. And I've heard innumerable times, people recount just the heroic efforts, and I think one of the greatest moments of our representation in the VCF perhaps was, was um, all his widow wanted to do was tell his heroism to the special master personally, and helping her do that was, a, was a, just a very good moment. And, and in addition to the pro bono efforts in the VCF, um, we have uh, represented or are in the midst of representing about 50 of the families from the um, from the various four flights, and from the um, Pentagon, who were either uh, injured or the families of those who were killed. Um, and then we have, uh, of course, the the very large terrorist financing litigation that we're representing. Uh, about I think it's over six thousand pe- people in that. Um, so that's in a, in a nutshell. Those are the nine eleven pieces of litigation that we've that we've. Represented family members in.
2: Bob, you're in the South Carolina, or excuse me, Robert, you're in the South Carolina office of Motley Rice, is that right?
3: Yes, yes, I am.
2: And my understanding is that you joined Motley Rice because of the 9 11 tragedy?
3: I did, I did. I'd, I'd previously practiced in New Jersey, just outside of New York City, for a little over a decade, where I represented plaintiffs in mass tort litigation, including things like asbestos and tobacco and other product liability cases. Um, Over the years, I collaborated on a number of projects with a few of the, and a few trials with uh, several of the Motley Rice lawyers, and became uh, very good friends with a number of them over the years. Um, After 9 11, I was very interested, as I'm sure so many other people were, uh, to do what we could to prevent this from ever happening again. And and in discussions with Ron Motley and one of his partners, Don Miliori, back at the time, um, uh, he and I had also become very good friends. And I learned that Motley Rice had brought the suit on behalf of the thousands of 9-11 victims and was putting together a team of lawyers to to do the work on the case. And I pretty much wanted to be involved.
1: Well, we want to... um... We, we want to uh, bring our other guests in in just a minute, but I wonder before we do that if you could just give us uh, uh, kind of an overview of where the uh, lawsuit stands on, uh, with respect to uh, the, the tracking down the finances and seeking to sort of, uh, I guess, bankrupt terrorism, as as you put it.
3: Yeah, well, Motley Rice had filed a consolidated suit back in in August of 2002 in the District of Columbia to represent the families Um the ultimate goal was was to bankrupt those individuals or entities that funded terrorism and hold them accountable in the civil justice system. Um, since it was filed originally in the D.C. Circuit, uh, it was consolidated and put in multi-district litigation. It's venued in New York now. Um, there were about 100 or more motions to dismiss filed. There's about 90 of those that still remain undecided, and several of them have decided uh, uh, allowing some of the people, granting the motions, allowing some of the people out. Um, some of those are on appeal, and we're proceeding in discovery against the numbers that are, are, are where the motions were denied. And uh, we've entered default against the number of defendants who have basically ignored the case and um, and appealed those that uh, where we uh, had the motions granted. And that's pretty much where we stand in the case at this point.
1: Great. Well, maybe you can uh, stick with us uh, as we as we turn the discussion to uh, uh, a more recent air tragedy, this one not not terrorist-provoked, uh, but Craig, maybe you can tell us about that.
2: Well, in contrast, Bob, to the work that Miley Rice is doing, we want to touch on a story that recently came to light about a law firm whose tactics are being criticized regarding the Kentucky crash of Com Air Flight 5191. The airplane took off on the wrong one, runway and then crashed, killing about 49 people. One survived, who was the co-pilot. The law firm of Anderson, Weber, and Henry in North Carolina created a website, comair5191families.com, inviting victims' families to pay tribute to their loved ones by having friends and family post pictures and share personal storage on the message boards. Trouble is that the families apparently did not know that the law firm was behind the site and was taking the victims' personal information in order to contact them about possible litigation in the crash.
1: Well, a local TV station uh, in Kentucky, uh, WKYT, reported on this, and uh, uh, once they did, the the law firm pretty quickly took the website down. Uh, a former president of the Kentucky Bar, and now I'm told a member of the the Bar's Attorney Advertising Commission. Um, Robert Elliott was was outraged by what he saw here. Uh, Elliott uh, told a WKYT reporter that the site appeared to violate Kentucky's lawyer advertising rules. Uh, we have a clip from the WKYT broadcast, and let's hear that.
2: It looks well-intended, a website for victims family members and friends memorializing the ones they lost last Sunday. The site is called calmer5191families.com.
4: The vast majority of lawyers
5: find this every bit as inappropriate and frankly disgusting as everybody else in our community.
2: The site asks folks to sign in to post a comment giving personal contact information to the webmasters. What law officials are calling an illegal website is sponsored by Anderson, Weber, and Henry, a law firm in North Carolina specializing, among other things, in aviation disasters.
1: That's uh, reporter Elizabeth Dorsett talking to Bobby Elliott of the Kentucky Bar. Well, to help us uh, figure out a little bit more about this situation are two attorneys uh, from Kentucky who are joining the program. First of all, I'd like to introduce Ben Cowgill, who practices law in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, Ben represents other lawyers in matters that involve legal ethics, attorney discipline, legal malpractice. He also serves as a legal uh, expert witness on standards in the legal profession. He's the author of the Legal Ethics blog, Ben Cowgill on Legal Ethics, and I'm happy to say a, a friend of mine as well. Welcome to the show, Ben.
4: Thank you, Bob. I'm glad to join you.
2: And Bob, we'd also like to welcome attorney Steve Frederick. Steve is a personal injury lawyer for the firm Seller Weilman, and I guess Steve will correct me if I'm pronouncing that wrong, in Louisville. His practice is focused in the litigation of medical malpractice, serious personal injury, and insurance bad faith cases. Steve also writes a blog called Kentucky Injury Blog, which is at a .com address. Thanks for joining us, Steve.
5: Thanks for having me, guys. I'm glad to be on with you. It's actually Siler Waterman, just for the record.
2: (laughs) Well, What's been the reaction among plaintiff's attorneys in Kentucky about uh, Anderson Weber's website?
5: Well, uh, frankly, uh, you know, I sit on the Board of Governors of the Kentucky Academy of Trial Attorneys, and I can I can tell you that, uh, you know, Bobby Elliott, who you played the clip from, uh, accurately reflects uh, pretty much everyone's opinion that I've talked to about it, and that is that we're just as outraged as the rest of the community that a, uh, an out-of-state firm would place an ad like this uh, essentially trying to trick people into giving them uh, their contact information.
1: Well, and we should we should clarify that what was going on here was that the firm had put up a site that was uh, inviting people to come in and post post testimonials and remembrances uh, to the victims. Uh, and in order to post, they had to register and give their contact information, as I understand it. And that contact information, of course, was being funneled directly to the, the law firm that maintained the site. Is that is that uh, how that was working, Ben? Did you look at that at all?
4: I didn't have a chance to see the site before it was taken down, but certainly everything we've been told and the the aspects that you have discussed uh, suggest that uh, it may well have been uh, misleading and deceptive. Uh, As Steve uh, indicates, uh, it appears to have been designed to trick uh, people into providing contact information uh, by holding itself out as something other than an advertisement for the law firm.
1: And, and ben I get the sense from reading your blog that that this is not the only um, uh, advertising issue uh, uh, that's being debated and discussed uh, in Kentucky in the wake of this crash
4: it isn't the only uh, the only advertisement and the others uh, raise much more interesting questions much closer questions within three or four days after uh, the accident there were three newspaper ads Uh, that appeared in the Lexington newspaper. All three of them uh, began by indicating that they were addressed to the families of the victims. Uh, All three of them uh, indicated that the firms expressed their condolences to the families uh, and then proceeded to say that the law firms uh, were uh, available uh, to help those families. Uh, So those ads were unlike the Anderson-Weber website uh, in the sense that they were They were clearly uh, advertisements for legal services uh, by the law firms, uh, and yet uh, many people took uh, strong objection uh, to those. Uh, Bobby Elliott, uh, who is a friend of mine, uh, uh, was quoted as saying the very same thing about those ads, uh, as he uh, later said about uh, the Anderson Weber uh, website. Uh, the the interesting issue there is where one draws the line between direct communication uh, with family members in the immediate aftermath uh, of a disaster uh, versus advertisements uh, that are disclosed as such uh, in a newspaper or on television uh, or on a website.
1: Steve, what are you seeing uh, as some of the, the key ethical issues that, that these ads are raising and what uh you know how how should <laughs> i mean it, you know if law firms have to market and law firms have to go after clients what what's the the a proper way to respond when there's a tragedy like this
5: well first of all um in this instance as with any other tragedy uh, i think it's incumbent upon lawyers uh to realize uh the extreme loss grief and suffering that many many people in the community are suffering and um uh, you know, beyond the letter of the law, whether or not you can put a advertisement in the paper or not uh, under our ethical rules, um, you know, I, I think it's incumbent upon uh, all lawyers, whether they're Kentucky lawyers or other lawyers, in, in any tragedy, to uh, try to um, have some sense of propriety uh, and not uh, invade into these people's grief. Uh, it is true that in Kentucky, um, the advertising regulations of the Bar Association require that the ads be submitted and approved in advance, uh, or there's another mechanism by which you can you can pay when you put it in, but that was not done in any of these instances. and the, the, These uh, ads that were placed were all clear violations of the, the advertising rules. Uh, but, you know, so I, I guess there's kind of a distinction, I think, between you know the the letter of the advertising rules and and the uh, you know ethical uh, moral considerations that uh, we as lawyers need to keep in mind.
1: Well, something that's come up here is the distinction between uh, firms that are resident in Kentucky and firms that uh, have their main offices outside of the state and and have no offices in the state but are advertising there. Uh, ben, do I understand that correctly? Is is are are there both in-state and out-of-state firms advertising and uh, uh, from, again, from reading your blog, my sense is that you're, you're at least raising the question of whether these different kinds of firms are being treated uh, the same.
4: No, the question I raised was whether uh, the Advertising Commission was treating different types of ads uh, the same.
1: Uh, me, is, what do you mean by that? Uh,
4: as between newspaper ads and, and websites, the, our advertising rules apply to all lawyers who market their services in Kentucky. And so they apply equally to Kentucky lawyers and firms that would advertise services uh, in Kentucky uh, on the heels of a situation like this. But let me follow up on on something Steve said, if I may. I I think even before we reach the realm of of personal judgments about good taste and and discretion in the aftermath of a tragedy like this, uh, there are... uh, interesting and, and and difficult questions there are there are competing concerns on on the one hand it is absolutely true that we as as individuals and as representatives of our profession uh... should display some uh, uh, dignity and respect uh... for uh... the horrible tragedy of, of the families uh, by the same token the reality is uh... that the circumstances of this accident suggest uh... that there was human error Uh, and that claims uh, may appropriately be filed. In fact, three or four lawsuits have already been filed. Uh, One lawsuit uh, was filed uh, within the business week uh, following uh, the accident on a Sunday morning, uh, and it was announced that that lawsuit would be filed, uh, I think, uh, on Wednesday following the Sunday of the accident. That announcement was made by a prominent Uh, Cincinnati attorney uh, who is well known uh, throughout this region uh, as a a plaintiff's uh, personal injury and wrongful death lawyer. So those who argue issues of of commercial free speech uh, would point out that uh, while we need to show uh, concern for the families of the victims, uh, they also clearly have their desire to uh, pursue the claims that may be available to them uh, we we have tangible evidence uh, of that fact uh, uh, that one family went to that lawyer uh, and hired him uh, and and he therefore made that announcement within 3 or 4 days after the accident uh, those who think about commercial free speech would also say uh, that one of the reasons the supreme court uh, has allowed appropriate advertising uh, through its decisions over the last 20 years Uh, is to provide consumers of legal services with information about their options. Uh, And so if I were with an aviation law firm uh, somewhere out of state, I might say uh, those folks in Kentucky need to know that we have expertise uh, in aviation law as well. Uh, They might be interested to know that there are firms uh, with perhaps uh, more specific expertise uh, in, in aviation disasters uh, than the lawyer in Cincinnati, uh, who, who apparently did not need to advertise because he already enjoys the reputation in this area. Uh, so there is some the irony, uh, intellectually, some irony in the fact that, that even as uh, the Bar Association was concerned about uh, restricting advertisements by lawyers of their services to the families, uh, at least four families were going to the lawyers that they were able to identify uh in in the marketplace of ideas uh, and employing those lawyers to proceed immediately on their behalf to do what lawyers do uh to ensure that uh, evidence is preserved uh to ensure that their rights are not waived and, and all of that sort of thing
2: Well it's time for us to take a short break and we'll be right back with our guests' uh, thoughts on this issue
0: We invite you to visit law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our practice center sections. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. Coast to Coast is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email.
1: If you have a comment or question we want to hear from you, leave us a message on the Legal Talk Network listener line at 781-634-8959. We really do listen to the messages and even answer your questions on our next show.
0: A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. That's 800 317 5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com.
2: Welcome back to Coast to Coast. I'm Craig Williams.
1: And this is Bob Ambrogi. We are talking today with uh, Kentucky attorneys uh, Ben Cowgill and Steve Frederick, and also with attorney uh, Robert Hayflee from Motley Rice. And uh, uh, Robert, I wanted to ask you that there's been uh, news reports lately uh, uh, involving uh, uh, an issue uh, as to whether uh, one law firm in in one of the 911 cases uh, was justified in taking a a full contingent fee uh, in that case and and has been criticized for doing that. Uh, Your firm uh, took on a number of these cases, as you said. Uh, on a pro bono basis. Uh, what What is the right balance? What is the appropriate way to be charging fees in, in disaster cases, whether they're terrorist-driven or uh, or simply uh, uh, man-made?
3: Well, I think that's a very difficult question to answer in the sense that I, I think it really ends up being on a generally case-by-case basis. But certainly things that you'd want to take into account are the or the actual contingency and how what the likelihood of success is, and if it's a difficult case, if it's going to take very long time, then perhaps that that accounts for taking a larger, larger fee. And when it's something that's more, uh, uh, the facts drive it to a situation where the, there's almost only one conclusion. Then perhaps that the uh, it ought to be a smaller contingency fee basis.
2: Robert, what motivated you to undertake this pro bono effort?
3: Um, I, I think it was just a sense of after 9-11, just, just so many people wanted to contribute what they had. And the the ability to to contribute your your physical labor is certainly something that a number of people did by going down to ground zero and helping out. And others provided other resources, and I think one of the resources that lawyers could do was to help these people that needed a way to get through the the. the Red tape of the victims' compensation fund, uh, and there was in most cases, if you fit within the parameters of the VCF uh, claim forms, you were almost guaranteed getting a certain sum of money. And the question was, how could you present present your claim so that you could uh, uh, evaluate your case in the best light? And, and I think that's really what these people needed.
1: Ben and Steve, what's your perspective? I mean, I, I would assume that part of the uh, need to regulate, uh, or at least the, the the perceived need to regulate uh, advertising, comes from somewhat of a concern that uh, that lawyers are, are rushing in for uh, uh, to to line their pockets. Uh, and uh, w- what is the right approach in terms of setting fees and advertising fees uh, with respect to uh, a disaster such as this air situation? Well, well
5: I <coughs> agree with I'll, I'll chime in. Um, I mean, you know, as as uh, as Bob said, it's it's a difficult question. Um, but uh, you know, the 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 fact of the matter is it's a free market system, you know, and uh I know a lot of the tort reform efforts are, are aimed at, you know, limiting contingency fees and so forth, but the but um, you know, I think that parties should be uh free to contract however they want. Um with regard to the uh the advertisements themselves, uh, you know, it is important uh, to realize that, and uh, I recognize what Ben said in the last segment about uh, having the uh, attorneys uh, needing to tell the families about uh, their expertise and so forth, uh, but I think that, you know, it's just important that we all keep in mind, uh, attorneys in all lines of work, uh, that, you know, the advertising that has been done has done damage to our image, whether you're a, a trial lawyer or a defense lawyer or whatever your uh, voc- your, your area of practice and uh you know we just i think that all lawyers need to uh be more careful with uh, the words and the images that they choose uh, in advertising
4: let me comment on a couple of those uh points uh first where the where the advertising of fees is concerned it's it's always dangerous uh for any lawyer to uh make any representation about the fee obligation of the client uh in an advertisement unless it's the most simple uh, straightforward uh lump sum fee for a for a simple will, uh, because it runs the risk uh, of of being a misleading uh, and deceptive uh, advertisement. Uh, that's true even when a, uh, a plaintiff's personal injury lawyer runs an ad that says, uh, 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 we don't get paid unless you get paid, uh, because it raises the issue of responsibility for costs and the like. And so when you extend that concern into the far more uh complex situations then as 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 robert uh said it is really uh, extremely dangerous and, and probably completely inappropriate for a lawyer to attempt to make any representation about uh, the fee arrangement uh, in a in a 30 second tv commercial uh or 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 tv ad
3: uh or a 30 minute discussion on a uh on a internet radio show <laughs>
4: that's right that's right and and uh turning to uh to to to, to steves other point I, I don't i don't disagree uh when we turn to matters of of personal taste that a lot of lawyer advertising uh does damage uh, uh to the public image of the profession i i, I suppose that sociologists uh, would say that uh, much more damage is done uh by the t v and 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 newspaper and yellow pages ads that run day in and day out uh uh for lawyers uh that in many cases are are far more uh, over the top uh with their use of uh of monikers and catchy phrases and things of that sort uh certainly when uh, ads uh like these appear in a newspaper in the aftermath of a disaster uh, it may confirm the negative uh, impression that many people already have of our of our profession, unfortunately. Uh, but let's remember that uh, those other ads that I've described, the really colorful, uh, racy ads, they are aimed also uh, at people who have lost loved ones. Uh, and uh, uh, while someone may not lose a family member in an airplane disaster, if they've lost a family member in a horrible automobile accident, and then go back to their home and pick up their yellow pages, or turn on their TV, or pick up their newspaper, uh, and see uh, advertisements that go much, much further uh, than uh, than anything uh, we've seen on the aftermath of, uh, of of the 5191 crash. They they may feel uh, far more uh, uh, insulted uh, uh, than uh, than anything we've seen here in the last couple of weeks.
2: Well, we're just about out of time for today's show, so I'd like to uh, see if we can get our co- guests' contact information and wrap up with a final thought from each one of them. So, Robert, uh, do you want to go first?
3: Sure. Well, I, I can be contacted by looking at the uh, firm's website at www.motleyrice.com. It's M-O-T-L-E-Y-R-I-C-E.com, or at my email at R-H-A-E-F, like and Frank, E-L-E at motleyrice.com. Or on the telephone eight four three two one six nine thousand. I think the way I would wrap it up is basically say, with regard to the advertising, certainly the sensitivity to the clients comes first, but the availability of services and, and the quality of the services that are available to the injured people, I think comes a very close second, and that's that's very important for them to, to be aware that these that there is representation available.
2: And Steve, uh,
3: my website is kytriallaw.com.
5: I also. Re- author of a blog. It's called KentuckyInjuryLawBlog.com, and you can find my contact information on there. Uh, And I want to thank you guys for having me on. Hope to do it again sometime.
2: Great. And Ben?
4: My website is CalGill.com with two L's, just like the spelling of my last name. My email is Ben at CalGill.com, and my legal ethics blog is LegalEthics.info, I-N-F-O.
1: And, uh, and before we end this program we should uh, note uh, just one other kind of sad uh, sad footnote to this is that one of the one of the uh, victims of that crash uh, in Kentucky was uh, himself a lawyer a, a long-time practicing lawyer Leslie W Morris uh practiced for some 50 years uh, as i understand it uh, and was on that flight that day so we're sorry for that. He was an absolute man. yeah
4: he was an absolute prince of an individual uh, he was both a very skilled lawyer uh, and had a great sense of humor. You you couldn't help but like him no matter how, matter how badly he beat you.
1: <laughs> well, our, uh, our thoughts go out to his family and friends. As well as our thoughts
2: going out to all of the families and friends of people that lost victims in the 9-11 disaster. And that's going to wrap it up for this week. Bob, we'll talk again next week.
1: Yes, thank you very much to our guests and look forward to talking to you, talking Bob, to you next week. Ray. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Coast to Coast with Robert Ambroji and J. Craig Williams. Coast to Coast has been sponsored by Law.com. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network.
2: The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis